0: Hello, friends. It's December 18th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I hope you will join me today on this excursion as we continue to read from the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament and the apocalyptic literature of the book of Revelation in the New Testament. We start and complete the thirty-fifth book of the Old Testament today, the book of Habakkuk, or as my British friends say, the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a man who had many questions. Some have called him the doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. When it became clear that God would bring judgment upon His own covenant people, Judah, due to their long history of disobedience, and that Judah would be overtaken by the Babylonians, otherwise known as the Chaldeans, he wondered why God would use a nation that was even more wicked than they were To bring them into captivity. There are questions well worth asking. There are things we long to know. There are times that we're left in darkness, waiting for the light of heaven to shine below. God's word assures us that God is good and he does all things well. Habakkuk learns that God will bring judgment upon the Chaldeans in his time. The book starts with a sob and ends with a song. God is on the throne, and even when we don't have all the answers at hand, we can trust him. The just shall live by faith. We may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. So let's start reading the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. Chapter 1. The Oracle That Habakkuk the Prophet Saw Habakkuk's Complaint O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. The Lord's answer. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress for they pile up earth and take it, then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty men, whose own might is their God. Habakkuk's Second Complaint Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook, he drags them out with his nest, he gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net, and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich." Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Chapter 2 I will take my stand at my watch-post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. The righteous shall live by his faith. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it, For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death he has never enough. HE GATHERS FOR HIMSELF ALL NATIONS, AND COLLECTS AS HIS OWN ALL PEOPLES. WOE TO THE CHALDEANS! SHALL NOT ALL THESE TAKE UP THEIR TAUNT AGAINST HIM, WITH SCOFFING AND RIDDLES FOR HIM, AND SAY, WOE TO HIM WHO HEAPS UP WHAT IS NOT HIS OWN, FOR HOW LONG, AND LOADS HIMSELF WITH PLEDGES? WILL NOT YOUR DEBTORS SUDDENLY ARISE, AND THOSE AWAKE WHO WILL MAKE YOU TREMBLE? THEN YOU WILL BE SPOIL FOR THEM, Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life, for the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity! Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink! You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness." You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? a metal image, a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, to a silent stone, Arise! Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Habakkuk's Prayer A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years revive it, in the midst of the years make it known, in wrath remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers, or your indignation against the sea, when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed, the raging water swept on the deep gave forth its voice, it lifted its hands on high. the sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who became like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret." YOU TRAMPLED THE SEA WITH YOUR HORSES, THE SURGING OF MIGHTY WATERS. I HEAR, AND MY BODY TREMBLES, MY LIPS QUIVER AT THE SOUND. Rottenness ENTERS INTO MY BONES, MY LEGS TREMBLE BENEATH ME. YET I WILL QUIETLY WAIT FOR THE DAY OF TROUBLE TO COME UPON PEOPLE WHO INVADE US. Habakkuk rejoices in the LORD. THOUGH THE FIG-TREE SHOULD NOT BLOSSOM, NOR FRUIT BE ON THE VINES, THE PRODUCE OF THE OLIVE FAIL, AND THE FIELDS YIELD NO FOOD, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament today, and this concludes our reading of the book of Habakkuk. Let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. Habakkuk prophesied between the fall of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, in 612 B.C., and the Babylonians' invasion of Judah in 588 B.C. Babylon was becoming the dominant power as Jehoiakim reigns in Judah. Habakkuk lived at a time when faith in God's Word was being challenged by circumstances that appeared to contradict its promises. Where was the righteous government of God? Was God sleeping? How could he allow such violence, iniquity, perverseness, strife, destruction, and contention? The prophet Habakkuk expresses not only God's thoughts to man, but man's questions to God, questions like, How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not hear? I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me, strife exists, and contention arises. Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Have you ever wondered why God is taking so long to answer your prayers? Why is it that when you are prospering spiritually that your circumstances go awry? Habakkuk does the right thing as he experiences the tension between God's promises and contradictory circumstances. He takes his struggle to God in prayer. There was a short-lived period of religious reform under King Josiah, but by the time of his death in 609 B.C., When his son Jehoiakim succeeded him, the people of Judah had abandoned the ways of the Lord. The prophet Jeremiah contrasted the reigns of Jehoiakim with that of his God-fearing father, Josiah. Jeremiah 22, verse 16 and 17 we read, He, that is Josiah, pled the cause of the afflicted and needy. Then it was well. Is not that what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes, speaking of Jehoiakim's eyes, and your heart, are intent only upon your own dishonest gain and on shedding innocent blood and on practicing oppression and extortion. The leaders of Judah have ignored the law of God. Therefore the law is ignored and justice is never upheld, for the wicked surround the righteous; therefore justice comes out perverted. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 4. As Habakkuk expresses his bewilderment to God in prayer, the Lord responds with an even more bewildering reply. God says that He is using the situation for His sovereign purposes, and because He is holy, He must judge the sins of His people, the nation of Judah. Therefore He will use their enemies, the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, to bring disaster to Jerusalem. Afterwards He will bring judgment to the proud Babylonian empire, whose strength is their God. Then they will sweep through like the wind and pass on, but they will be held guilty, they whose strength is their God." Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 11. Habakkuk concedes that God is right to bring judgment upon sinners. He confesses that his understanding is limited and skewed, yet he questions God further. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13. In other words, Habakkuk wonders why it appears that believers seem to be suffering more than unbelievers. Habakkuk joins the chorus of those who throughout the ages have complained, Why do the wicked prosper? Habakkuk expresses his resolve to adopt God's viewpoint by faith. He has stated his difficulty, confessing his struggle to God in prayer. Now he takes his station, awaiting God's further communication from the watchtower of spiritual alertness. He is to take heed to God's word, and record what God has shown him, knowing that the word is true and will be fulfilled in God's perfect time. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision, and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time, it hastens towards the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will surely come, it will not delay. Habakkuk chapter 2 Verses 2 and 3. The Lord then contrasts the life of the proud and the life of those who trust God's Word. It may seem that the wicked prosper, but one day they will be brought to ruin. God can use them as His instrument to discipline His people, but in the end their own pride will bring about their doom. Those who live their lives with faith in God's promise will be rewarded with life eternal. The Lord states the ultimate reality. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. Habakkuk chapter two verse four. Mankind's addictions will betray him. Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man, so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like Shale, and he is like death, never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. Habakkuk chapter two verse five. One day the hens will come home to roost, and the piper must be paid. You wonder how many people fail to recognize that when they sin against God, they are also sinning against themselves. In Habakkuk 2, verse 10, Habakkuk writes, By cutting off many peoples, so you are sinning against yourself. The city of Babylon will be conquered, even as the Babylon system that opposes God at the end of the age will be destroyed. Man's utopias will turn out to be disasters. Here again is the stated reality. The wicked will not prosper. God's kingdom will come. God's will will be done. This is the reality to which every human being is called to bring themselves into alignment through repentance and faith in the gospel. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. Chapter 3 is a prayer it emerges from Habakkuk's communion with the Lord and the insights he has received. As we feed upon God's word and are reminded of his purposes, we can pray a similar prayer. Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years; in the midst of the years make it known; in wrath remember mercy. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. We know we all are deserving of God's wrath, but God's word reveals that He is also a God of mercy. He offers forgiveness through the cross of Christ. Mount Paran, according to some scholars, is another name for the Sinai Peninsula or Mount Sinai itself. Temon is another name for Edom. In highlighting these two locations, Habakkuk is retracing God's presence in the cloud by day and fire by night accompanying the nation of Israel on its march through the wilderness to the promised land but his glory extends far beyond one episode in history or one people on the planet his radiance is like the sunlight he has rays flashing from his hand and there is the hiding of his power habakkuk chapter 3 verse 4 he was glorified in the plagues that fell upon the Egyptians, as well as the deliverance he provided for the Jews, in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Verse 6 reminds us that the gates of hell cannot prevail against what God is building. Who can stand against Him? The nations between Egypt and the promised land are described in the phrase, The tents of Kushan and the land of Midian. The Lord caused His enemies to tremble. Habakkuk uses poetic imagery to describe God's faithfulness to His people in the past. This should remind us that we can trust Him for the future, even when our faith is challenged by present circumstances. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord." I will rejoice in the god of my salvation Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 Now let's move on to our New Testament reading which is in the book of Revelation chapter 9 And the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone and in those days people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels, who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice ten thousand times ten thousand. I heard their number, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision, and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lions' heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues a third of mankind was killed, by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound." The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the work of their hands nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament from the book of the Revelation. The fifth angel sounds the fifth trumpet and it appears that hell is let loose. There was an interval between the fourth and fifth trumpet, in which an eagle flying in mid-heaven warned that the next three trumpets and the afflictions that take place will be far more severe. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound." Revelation chapter 8, verse thirteen. The descriptions of these three woes from the remaining three trumpets are more than triple the size of the descriptive texts of the previous trumpet judgments. Whereas the first four judgments were described in one or two verses each, the fifth trumpet judgment is described in twelve verses. The previous judgments affected mankind indirectly, with impact upon the earth, trees, sea, waters, and light. The next 3 affect mankind directly personal torment the previous judgments were brought about by the forces of nature the next judgments are brought about by supernatural forces the fifth trumpet releases demonic forces under the command of Apollyon the angel of the abyss in revelation chapter 9 verses 2 through 11 verse 1 describes a star falling from heaven stars refer to different things in the bible In Revelation chapter 1, we saw how the stars referred to the seven messengers of the seven churches. In chapter 2, Jesus is referred to as the bright morning star in verse 28 and Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. The word stars referred to natural heavenly objects such as asteroids or suns in Revelation chapter 6, verse 13, chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. Here, however, the word star refers to a personage described as Him and He in chapter 9 verses 1 and 2. Some commentators see this star as Satan, yet others see this star as an angel of heaven on assignment who rapidly descends to earth with the authority to open the pit, the shaft of the abyss. The abyss is a place where the demons have been incarcerated before being cast into the lake of fire. For them, it is a hell before hell. We don't know that much about it, only that the demons abhorred it. When Jesus cast the demons out of the possessed man in the country of the garrisons living in the cemetery the demons pleaded not to be sent to the abyss in luke chapter 8 verse 31 in the book of revelation chapter 20 and the book of jude chapter 1 verse 6 we learn that the abyss is where demons are imprisoned and where satan will be locked up during the thousand-year reign of christ Powers of darkness and spiritual oppression are unleashed in this judgment. The demonic powers are described in the apocalyptic language as locusts. Locusts are symbols of judgment in the Bible. They are agents of destruction. They destroy. They devour. They darken the land. They swarm. You can't get rid of them. In Exodus chapter 10, Joel chapter 1, verse 4. These are certainly not like the locusts that we know. Locusts feed on vegetation and have no king. In Proverbs chapter thirty, verse twenty-seven, these are subject to a demonic power, but God is sovereign over them. In Psalm one hundred and five, verse thirty-four, He puts limits on their destruction, and they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. Revelation nine, verse five, He spoke, and locusts came, and young locusts, even without number. Psalm 105, verse 34. There is a hidden mercy in this judgment, and in those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. Revelation 9, verse 6. Death, in their case, would not be a relief from suffering, for the torments of hell are far worse. The Lord still calls humanity to repentance. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 the sixth angel sounds the sixth trumpet and unleashes a judgment that will bring death to a third, that is, a fraction of mankind. The four angels that are bound at the great river Euphrates may speak of world powers. Some commentators believe that they refer to the four empires of Daniel chapters 2 and 7, Babylon, that is, Iraq, Persia, which is Iran, Greece, and Rome. In Daniel chapter 10, We learn that there are angels that are identified with empires, or world powers. There is a battle going on between holy powers and unholy powers. The Bible tells us that God uses angels at times to execute judgment. In 2 Kings 19, verse 35, Isaiah 37, verse 36, Matthew 13, verses 45-50, through it is near the river Euphrates that sin began. The first lie was told, the first murder committed, the Tower of Babel built, and false religion was established. The river Euphrates is the eastern boundary of the promised land. The region near there were the location of three countries that oppressed Israel, Assyria, Babylon, and Media-Persia. The river people will cross to engage the Battle of Armageddon. The extraordinary number of the 200 million horsemen would indicate supernatural forces at work. The destructive forces of fire smoke and brimstone are released from these hellish creatures in revelation chapter 9 verse 18 the tragic story is that with all this evidence that our survival is dependent upon submission to god the people who dwell on the earth still refuse to repent the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons, and the idols of gold, and of silver, and of brass, and of stone, and of wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. Revelation chapter 9, verses 20-21. through 21. Now let's move on to the book of Psalms, and we are reading Psalm 137. How shall we sing the Lord's song?" Psalm 137 "By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept, when we remembered Zion; on the willows there we hung up our lyres; for there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, "Sing us one of the songs of Zion." How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? "If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth, if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock." This psalm describes the experience of God's people when they are exiles. They have been taken away from Zion and are now strangers in a strange land. They are sorrowful and oppressed. Their songs were meant to be sung while at the temple in Jerusalem or while on pilgrimage to go there. How can they sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? In verse 4, Yet the believer clutches the truth that God has made a covenant with His people in which He has promised to be their God and salvation. Do you consider your relationship with the living God as your chief joy? May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. In verse 6, the psalm ends with a desperate plea for retribution. The scriptures remind us that we are not to take revenge because vengeance belongs to God. We trust that in His wrath, He will remember mercy. And now let's conclude our tour today with a reading from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 10. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you, and you be held guilty. We are warned not to meddle in domestic affairs that we know little about. We may be guilty of slander. Let's pray in light of what we have just read. Father, it is in Christ that we can sing our new song and sing it freely, knowing that He has delivered us from our captivity to sin and death. In this world we are faced with a spiritual battle, forces of evil, including our own propensities to sin. We cleave to Your promise and choose to walk by faith and not by sight, for the righteous shall live by faith. May we not be deceived by the apparent prosperity, the ease and comforts of the wicked. We know that Your promises are real. Keep us from presumption. Keep us from sinning with our reactions. Help us in times when we struggle with unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us on our Bible reading tour today. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write to us at at podcast.newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary, you can always subscribe to a daily email at our website, newlife.org. So until next time... May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Shalom.